0: Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. I'm your host, Mike Moody. For this week's show, Russ Durance traveled to Buena Vista, Tennessee to tour Tosh Farms. During the tour, he had a conversation with Daniel Tubbs, chairman of our state pork division, and Kent Stanford, nutrient management specialist for Alabama. William Green, wildlife director, wraps up with a report about the recently held one-shot turkey hunt fundraiser. Daniel, thanks for joining us today. Uh, We've had a little bit of fun. I got to uh, take off the suit and leave the state house and put my pork producer's hat back on and join you and several of our friends on a uh, little field trip up the road to Tennessee to take a look at Tosh Farms. So um, tell me a little bit about Tosh Farms and kind of what we're doing up here in Tennessee.
0: So uh, put it all in perspective, my dad used to be their herd vet Uh, for about 13 years. He quit about 2011, 2012 area. And so he watched as they started growth And at the present moment, with this new farm that we went and looked at today, when it comes online, they'll be at roughly 40,000 sows in the West Tennessee, West Kentucky area. And what we went to see today was the new sow farm, 5,800 sows, uh, open house. We walked in was able to see their open pen gestation concept, breeding barn, farrowing rooms, and nursery and gilt developer barn.
1: Yeah, so Tosh Farms is really kind of I guess you could say one of the only uh, fully vertic- or fully vertically integrated kind of companies left maybe in the southeast. Is that fair to say?
0: They're, yes, they're fully integrated to the processing. You know, if you want to if you want to be fully, fully integrated, you, you count the processing, but they they do everything that they can in house, be it construction, concrete. They have their own concrete plant, their own concrete trucks. They have a slat plant where they build the slats. They have a shop where they fabricate the pinning and uh, stalls that they use in the barns. They also have the feed mill uh, where they make all the feed upwards of, I think last year, 400,000 tons of feed for their pigs. Trucking company, which consists of 85 tractor trailers and 75 drivers who haul the feed to and from the mill, the pigs around where they need to go. And uh, yeah, it's uh, family-owned, vertically integrated business.
1: Yeah, they've got a heck of an operation, and it was really neat to see, Daniel. Um, we get to see a lot of the poultry industry in Alabama, but we don't get to see a lot of, of this, and my time as pork producers uh, director back there at the Farmers' Federation, I have still not seen anything quite like what we got to see today. It was really interesting, number one, to see their big kind of grand opening there of that brand spanking new south farm, um, but to go in and take a look at their feed mill, um, in their truck shop, and really just kind of hear from the family a little bit about how they have kind of gotten to be where they are today um it's a pretty interesting story, but um one of the things that was most interesting to me was learning kind of a little bit from their herd vet talking about the way that they're constructing some of the new technologies in their new barns so tell us again a little bit about kind of how that barn is laid out,
0: so they've got their barns laid out in a process you know you you it's kind of like a poultry barn but it's not where when you come if you're a worker at the farm you come in and you shower into the farm that's the first thing you do every morning you shower in you don't wear your clothes the farm supplies the clothes with you know whether it be jeans and a t-shirt or coveralls so you're showering in and then changing if any supplies come into the farm they have to go into a fogger room where they're disinfected before they come on site um so once you do that, you come in the office, you go out and do your day's chores, you're on that farm upwards of 10 hours a day, most likely somewhere between in that seven to eight hour range, but, you know, things happen. So you, you're you not going out getting lunch, you know, you're not going out, you know, checking stuff. Once you're in, you're in. They've got a shop on site, so their maintenance guys don't have to come in and out to find supplies. It's a fully operational supplied shop with all the tools that they need to fix anything. You come in, you go into their open pen concept station barn. They have a, Their pens are smaller than what I've seen within the industry. They have 12 pigs per pen with uh, some stall sides where they can go in and eat and drink, lay down, lounge, and do whatever they want to. Their breeding barn has the stalls in there, so when They're ready to breed. They put them in the stall, breed them. They stay in the stalls for about 35 days. Once that 35 days is up and they've been preg checked, they kick them out into these pen gestation, these gestation pens. Farrowing, baby pigs, you know, everybody loves baby pigs. They've got 24 rooms of 48 farrowing stalls, which equals up to 1,150. So they could have upwards of 1,152 sows in farrowing stalls at one time having babies. It, I think the way it lines up, they usually have about six rooms at a time that are farrowing. So about every month, you've got six rooms all in, all out. Pigs are about 24 days old when they're weaned. And uh, once they're weaned, you know, they can take the babies off, send them to the wean to finish barn and the whole cycle starts again.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. It it really is an impressive facility and, and interesting to see all that they're doing. But aside from you just being the chairman of our Pork Producers Board and me as kind of the former uh, director of that pork division there at the Farmers Federation, we wanted to come on this trip for a reason, Daniel. And we brought some friends of ours with Extension to kind of come up and take a look uh, at what they're doing up here in Tennessee. Tell us, other than just our general interest in swine production, why we're up here today taking a look at this farm.
0: Well, we're looking at it uh, mainly is looking at these deep pit barns, which is mainly what the industry has gone to as a whole. Uh, it's pretty much a concrete bunker underneath the slats, underneath the pigs, uh, where all the manure and waste is stored. And you don't have to worry about a lagoon. You don't have to worry about a hurricane coming in and dropping two feet of rain and in a week and your lagoon overflowing and getting out into the waters of Alabama it's kept in a concrete bunker underneath here and we came to learn see how they were built um the storage type what's underneath there how it's put out onto the crop ground and uh, and all those aspects of manure management
1: yeah it was it, w- it was fun to get a- get a chance to see all of that um see the new technology uh, we're going to get Kent Stanford here in a minute to tell us a little bit more about some of that new technology as well, but you know ideally, I think at the end of the day, Daniel, this is something that you and I have looked at for for a while now and something that we would love to see if hog production were re- to return to the state of Alabama. How can we implement some of this modern technology that? our friends in neighboring states up here in Tennessee are using and successfully using.
0: And not just in, you know, not just in our neighboring states, you know, you go, I was out in Montana this week, uh, doing some animal welfare audits and the state of Montana is set up like they are set up how I would like to see Alabama set up. They are a farrow to wean state. Once the pigs are weaned, they go out of state to finish them. They go closer to the feed, you know, in Alabama, all the feed goes towards chickens. There and the processing plants are in Alabama for the chickens. The closest processing plant for us is Louisville, Kentucky, which from my house in Walker County, Alabama is roughly six hours away by vehicle. You start putting tractor trailers on the road, it's gonna take seven hours. It's cheaper fuel-wise and time-wise to ship 1,500 weaned pigs than it is 165 finished pigs. And so if we can look at these states such as Montana, Nebraska, South Dakota, Mississippi, Georgia, and kind of follow their blueprint of building some sow farms and shipping the wean pigs out, I think we would be able to maybe get some, uh, maybe get pork production back at a at a decent scale in the state of Alabama.
1: Yeah, well, we certainly appreciate your time um, and all that you do for the pork division there at the Alabama Farmers Federation while serving as our chairman and we certainly appreciate all of the hard work that you have put in to kind of organizing this trip for us and for our friends in Extension, uh, those of us that were able to, to go on the trip. So thank you for your service to our organization, Daniel, and thank you again for organizing this trip for us.
0: Not a problem. Glad y'all could come along. It's never a
2: dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit. And while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops, because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources.
1: Well, hello, and thanks again for tuning in to the second half of our episode today on the Alabama AgCast. I'm Russ Durrance, State Legislative Programs Director, joined today by Kent Stanford Uh, Extension Nutrient Specialist here for the state of Alabama. So, Kent, glad to have you on today.
3: Absolutely, Russ.
1: Um, I know we have kind of got a a unique experience getting to come up here with Daniel Tubbs, our Pork Division Chairman there at the Farmers' Federation, and a couple other friends with Extension. But we've gotten to come to the grand opening of their brand new sow farm up here uh, in Buena Vista, Tennessee, and got a chance to tour the feed mill and whatnot. And this is really unique. I mean, back home in Alabama, we're able to see uh, poultry production, fully integrated poultry production, and things like that. But we don't get a chance to see stuff like this on the hog side of things very often. So tell me a little bit about the trip and kind of how this has impacted you.
3: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's been a great experience to come up and see what they're doing here at Tosh Farms, a uh, very successful farming operation. And even with the magnitude of what they're doing, it's still a family farm. It's all family uh, owned and operated. You know, they've got a uh, a tremendous impact on this local economy, uh, particularly in this county uh, where they are headquartered. So it's good to see that. And as we looked at uh, at the new facility earlier today, you know, you like to see new things and the new designs on stuff. But uh, really, uh, a lot of the design is what they've been implementing for many, many years here. We've seen some older barns that are still in production that have the the deep pits. Uh, so we have manure storage uh, inside the barns that's under cover uh, in these pits. And so you don't have any outdoor manure storage. So that's uh, that's been very interesting to see. And that kind of is a, a game changer for me, I think in terms of manure management. But Russ, I'll tell you the other thing that I'm most impressed with on this operation here is their commitment to their people. Um, a lot of the technology that they're using uh, might seem somewhat basic, uh, but then they're paying attention to their own people. Uh, they're building capacity within their own ranks. And I was very, very impressed with the level of commitment and dedication uh, throughout their their organization.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, Part of what we got a chance to see during the presentation there at the South Farm was the fact that this company has grown from 20 employees back around the year 2000 now to almost uh, 550 employees. Company wide. So, you certainly don't grow like that without having a, a strong dedication to your employees and your workforce and the folks that help make that happen behind the scenes. But another thing that you touched on was kind of some of those newer technology barns. You know, back when we were producing a lot of hogs in Alabama, um, the way that we were building those finishing floors and the way that we were building some of those south farms was a lot different than these folks are building them. So talk to us a little bit about some of that construction.
3: Sure. So what we would have seen in our state and and really across the country for that matter, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, we would talk about either waste storage ponds or we would talk li- about lagoon technology. And, and it was basically outside uh, storage of this affluent coming out of these barns. And so what they've done is is they've they've completely moved away from that. And so the newer technology, if you want to, refer to it that way is is the use of deep pits so these are 10 foot deep pits underneath the floors in the barns Uh, they use uh, sidewall fans to uh, exhaust out uh, directly from those pits and so there's no uh, no detrimental effects uh, on the animals in the houses Uh, then uh, you don't have any risk then of of, uh, any sort of uh, calamity uh that's weather related, you know, like we've seen sometimes when hurricanes move in, you don't have to worry about fifty or sixty inches of rainfall uh at that point. And so that uh that producer then he can pull up uh hook directly into uh into that deep pit and uh and use a tank then to transport uh that uh affluent or that manure out to uh, to whatever cropland he's going on and so it allows you to be very specific, very targeted um in the way that uh, that it is managed and it's It's impressive to see. And certainly we know right now with the high input cost, uh, particularly with fertilizer, uh, how important the animal manure is. uh, a Tremendous resource for us. And so it's given us some good ideas about ways that we can move forward. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I think is so neat about how we've grown from the technological advances with how we're kind of storing the manure and stuff like that on the farm is the fact that it seems like we have been able to mitigate a lot of the risk. Uh, absolutely from some of that absolutely
3: storage, and so. I, I think that's that's the the greatest way or the best way to uh, to really describe uh what you have and and then the other advantage there, i already mentioned the the rainfall without additional rainfall you've got a more concentrated product so our our rates uh are lower in terms of application rates per acre so it's a win win
1: that's exactly right that's exactly right so do you think maybe with some of that risk mitigated i know we've got plenty of folks and folks back home on the port committee who would love to see uh, production return to Alabama. Do you think with some of this more modern technology, there may be a way for us to, to try to get a pushback for some more production in Alabama soon?
3: Yeah, I, I think uh, there are probably some, some opportunities out there. Um, certainly as, as we visited up here today, we see some of the opportunities uh, just within this one uh, family farm here. But I, I do think there are some opportunities. Uh, I think there's a way to be strategic about that. Um, uh, for a variety of reasons, not just on location. um, But it also gives us a chance to diversify. We all know how important diversification is. And so anytime you can add another enterprise, um, whether it be in a specific area of the state or not, it's just going to benefit uh, those farmers uh, and and really more than just those particular farmers. So it 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 has a lot of potential I think for us.
1: You're exactly right. It's uh it's been a heck of a trip. It was fun for me to kind of get out of the state house and round up the end of the week. Uh here kind of getting the boots dirty a little bit on the farm. Um what a neat story for this family, the Tosh family farms up here. The fact that you know maybe for the last 20 years while we've kind of seen pork production decline a little bit in Alabama this family and this company has really kind of thrived up here in the western side of Tennessee um, and growing that pork production and helping out uh, the local economy here. So been a heck of a fun trip, Kent. I'm so glad that you were able to make it as well as some of the other friends with Extension um, and I can't wait to get back home to Alabama and see what uh, what we can accomplish if we put our yep. heads together.
3: I think, uh, I think the future is bright and anytime we can, can learn from what other successful people are doing, and come back and see how the application of, of that technology or those uh, plans, uh, the way that they conduct themselves, uh, it helps us out.
1: You're exactly right. They've done a great job, and uh, I know we can learn from them and try to implement some of their successes back home. So
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on sure the time. trip, Kent,
1: and uh, thanks for coming up uh, and joining us on the Alabama AgCast. Sounds
3: great. Thanks, Russ.
1: Absolutely.
0: And now, your weekly Ag cash wrap-up.
2: is william green wildlife division director for the alabama farmers federation as turkey season begins to hit its stride we're excited to announce the success of a cooperative event that took place during this season's opening week the alabama governor's one-shot turkey hunt was hosted by the alabama department of conservation and natural resources the alabama department of commerce as well as a host of other organizations including the alabama farmers federation the one shot hunt has a dual purpose the first is to showcase alabama as the preferred destination for business industry and nature-based tourism The event highlighted Alabama's abundant natural resources and put it squarely in the spotlight for potential business expansion. Second, the governor's one-shot turkey hunt will raise funds for the Alabama Conservation and Natural Resources Fund to fund scholarships at both Auburn University and the University of Alabama. Thanks to COVID, this event was a culmination of nearly three years of planning and was a tremendous success. Over 250 attendees, including 65 hunters, 70 landowners and guides, enjoyed each other's company while supporting a great cause. Over $300,000 was raised to support scholarships, all while relationships with potential businesses were strengthened throughout the week. For more information on the Governor's One-Shot Turkey Hunt, sponsors, partnering organizations, and the top-scoring birds, visit OutdoorAlabama.com.
0: Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash AgCast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.